hello and welcome to Movie Go Round, a film discussion podcast that rotates between different themes every single week on a five-week schedule. This week's theme is Netflix Roulette. Hello, everybody. My name is Brett Stewart. Joining me, as always, Nicole Davis. How are you? I'm very well. I'm recovering from my trip back to the 90s and having to see all those goatees again. And (sighs) I'm glad. So, so very many goatees. Uh, David Luzader, how are you? I'm doing okay. I have doing a lot of math on a whiteboard to try to figure out how a comic book artist and inker could afford that apartment in New York. <laughs> and uh, there's no answer. It's impossible. Yeah, it's no not New kidding. York. It's Red Bank, New Jersey. Oh, are they in New Jersey? Still, yeah. still, they publish <laughs> one book together in an, in the indie circuit in the 90s. They are not <laughs> affording that place. No, no, That's they are true. not. Uh, well, we watched a uh, film for Netflix Roulette, and you know the drill if you've listened to the podcast before. It means we spin a wheel and the Netflix gods get to choose what we watch. And this time around, we got Chasing Amy, the Kevin Smith film. Before, however, uh, we talk a little bit more about this, I do want to introduce next week's movie, or rather have David introduce it. It's his pick. It's a future classic. That's a film that has come out in the last decade that David will be making making a case for as being a classic in some way, shape, or form. David, what are we going to be watching? So we're going to be watching a movie that I thought for sure we had already discussed on this podcast, but lo and behold, we had not. Uh, it's a movie that is already kind of gaining a little bit of cult classic status, but I think it's going to kind of just be up there with great science fiction films of all time. The further we get away from it, because we're going to be doing 2015's Ex Machina. Yay! Oh, I saw Nicole just like waiting for that response. Uh, very good. I'm excited to see this. All right. Ex Machina, check it out Always for next week. Always excited about feature classic. It's a fun Absolutely. One. Uh, but we are going back. Uh, I was about to say back to the future. We're going back to the past (laughs) um, to 1997 to talk about chasing Amy. Holden and Banky are best friends and authors of a popular comic book called Blunt Man and Chronic. Holden falls in love with Alyssa, also a comic book artist who happens to be a lesbian. Holden's new relationship with Alyssa strains his lifelong friendship with Banky, and soon the relationship between Holden and Alyssa hits a wall due to Holden not being able to deal with her past. I, I think it's probably fair to say here at the top of the program that this is an interesting entry in Movie Go Round where it's chock full of um, crass profanity that if repeated here, I will bleep. And also is a very, you know, this movie gets down with with sex right like we're going to talk a lot about oh, yeah, the yes. sex of this movie and um, kevin kevin smith movies in general tend to be pretty loose with the language especially when it comes to describing sexual acts yeah and this movie in particular explores you know a lot of sexual themes especially those prevalent in the 90s around you know lesbians and 
repressed nerds and you know basically if you've listened to a weezer album you've seen this movie i learned uh but uh, just a heads up in case you have <laughs> kiddos in the car or something like that uh but let's talk a little bit about kevin smith first because i'm not very familiar with his work like i know him as a person and i not as a per- i've never met the guy but like i know him <laughs> As a personality, <laughs> rather. Like, I've seen him be a talking head wow. for a lot of different things. And I also have seen uh, Yoga Hosiers, and I have seen Clerks. Oh. So I've seen both ends of the spectrum, to my understanding. Now, fill me in on a little bit about this. Uh, it's He has a cinematic universe of sorts that his fans have called the, the View yeah. Askewiverse. Yes. So tell me a little bit about that, someone who knows more about him than I do. And this is for the listener's uh, benefit, too, hopefully. Well, for the movies, almost almost all the movies he's directed, uh, not all of them, but almost all of them take place in the same universe. Uh, Clerk, Small Rats, Chasing Amy, Dogma, even though... Uh, well, well, when you get into people like Ben Affleck, uh, it gets a little bit confusing. But uh, uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, Clerks 2, and Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. I don't think any of his other ones are part of that. I don't think Jersey Girl is part of uh, part of all of that. But that... Oh, I don't remember. It's been a while. Yeah, that collection of films all take place in the same universe. And, and feature my a number of the same characters, but not all the same characters. Right. Because to my understanding, the only two characters that have appeared throughout all of them are Jay and Silent Bob. And then there is crossover of some of them. For instance, I know they're making, I believe, a third or a reboot of, of Jay and Silent Bob coming up. Jay, and that was recently Jay and announced. Silent Bob reboot is coming okay. out. And I know I was looking at the IMDb page and saw that Alyssa from this movie... Alyssa Jones is in that movie. The actress is so, reprising her role. Yeah, she was also in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back at the very end. They have a bunch of characters show up. Um, also, you have a lot of actors. Even if the characters don't, a lot of the actors uh, cross over. Typically, you'll have Jason Lee yeah. and and Ben Affleck appear and Matt Damon appear in some capacity. Um, as, as in this movie, for the very brief appearance of Matt Damon, uh, He's on screen for like 20 seconds. Yeah, blink and you miss it. Uh, but also with him is Brian O'Halloran, who in this movie plays an exec, but in the Clerks movies plays one of the main characters. And then in Dogma plays a news anchor. So just so I fully understand, is the purpose of this that there is a, a story arc of the same characters that appear through multiple films and it's important that they do that? Or is it more of a nod to Kevin Smith fans? I think it's mostly that Kevin tends to cast his friends. Mm-hmm. And okay. so it's whoever's available to be in the movie. And, and then, you know, by dint of that, it's it, it becomes some characters appear in most of the movies just so he can get these people in there. And primarily I among gotcha. them being Jay and Silent Bob. They are the thread that kind of holds all those movies together. Okay. I understand better now. Thank you. And, and for listeners benefit he is silent bob um yeah so he he he's one of those uh, directors that throws himself into his own movies um and we'll talk about that a little bit later because i was actually quite surprised by him in this one uh <laughs> let's talk about holden the character uh, holden played by ben affleck <sighs> is a man without a google uh 
he just doesn't yes. or or a library or a mom just like anyone to talk to about anything i guess um because nicole you put in our docket that the movie dates itself almost instantly with holden's lack of access to information how does he not understand the way lesbian sex works it's much more possible before fast uh search engines but he's still willfully ignorant um yeah yeah, yeah. there are resources available to find these things out right <laughs> But I think also they do kind of make a point that he, uh, I think Banky calls him a little bit conservative, that he mm-hmm. was kind of the the good boy growing up. Um, yeah. Not and, much and life be, experience. Right. And then obviously we'll get into more of that later. But I, what really does happen in the first 20 minutes of this movie, it moves along pretty quick, is that he meets this girl. She's another comic book artist, um, instantly falls for her and takes a very long time to figure out she's a lesbian and finally figures it out. Doesn't give up, uh, <laughs> but goes through yeah. some emotional turmoil over it. And one of my favorite scenes is he's with his, he's with his best friend, Banky, um, who is played in this film by Jason, Jason Lee. Lee. And yeah. they're at a concert. Yes. And she's I called on stage part. to perform and she's singing all seductively and motion her hands right over to him. But nay, it's the woman standing next to him. <laughs> yes, yes. And yeah. what is what is great about that is then uh, when she goes to meet that woman and Alyssa and this woman start kissing, uh, Banky just starts applauding because he like and it, he <laughs> figures out like, oh, we're in a lesbian bar, and just the look yeah. on his face is so priceless. <laughs> Yeah, but he looks around, he's looking at, like, this girl couple, you know, kissing each other. He looks over in another corner, there's another pair of women kissing each other. He looks over at two women at the bar talking, and that's when the the other shoe drops. Yeah, that's when it all comes together. I also love that the actress playing the love interest of of Alyssa's at that point is his real wife. Uh, in real life. Yeah, that's Jason Lee's wife. Yeah. Oh, is um, it really? It is. Yeah. Uh, wow. And so so you have this scene where now Holden has discovered she's a lesbian. She wasn't singing to him. But they still, and and much, be- much because she's pushing it, develop a friendship. She really wants to break down that wall. She wants him to see her as a friend and someone because, that they can hang out with. Ugh, because Why? because he's not like any other man he doesn't immediately fit into a stereotype he fits into he is the sensitive artist i don't know what else do you want but he's also the stereotype stereotypes he's he's also the stereotype to nicole's point here of the of the man that just doesn't understand anything about women (laughs) he's not more insightful than any man she's ever met Uh, that's certainly not what makes him different yeah he believes in love. <sighs> Nicole can't even comment. She's just so I don't frustrated. Know. I'm <laughs> frustrated and disgusted. I mean, that's the single, you know, every, every movie, there's some barrier there. You have to suspend your disbelief and there's, there's going to be one barrier where it's the hardest. And mine is that she finds him attractive in any way. <laughs> even, even if in their conversation, she was like, you know what? I just really like getting to talk to you. That hasn't happened with a man for a while. Like that is totally fine. But when she, for me, it's when she says, 
it's because I can't put you in any stereotype. I can't put you in any box sort of thing. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> that is insane. He's now, oh, yeah. Now, 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 now to, to <laughs> Holden's credit, I suppose, he gets a little more woke as the movie goes on. Not particularly a woke, not particularly <sighs> well woke. Um, not woke enough to the point that he stops throwing around the F slur, which you hear a ton in this movie. Um, ah, the nineties. Yeah. yeah, but so so, but he gets woke enough to when Banksy and him first duke it out over Banky. Banky. Yeah, I Banksy. <laughs> Not Banksy, Banky. Banksy's a totally different guy. Banky and him have have him and we call him Banksy. Do I take a shot? (laughs) But him and Banksy, Banksy's not a fan of 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 his new love interest slash you know best friend. And uh, did I say Banksy again? You did Banksy again. Yes. All right, Banky. My point is, is that Banky. has this scene where he's calling her every name in the book. He's really being homophobic in a million different ways. And then Affleck's character Holden is like, Hey, you don't, you know, call her a lesbian. That's what she is. And I can't remember what he was calling her, but like he calls her all these different slurs and, and he gets really woke and tries to explain to him in the simplest of terms. Hey, she's still a person. And you shouldn't be this mean. And it, and I told this to you guys. I was like, wow, I feel like this is a PSA for a high school don't bully other people video that I would have seen. <laughs> and you guys pointed right. out to me that this is kind of Kevin Smith speaking to his demo the way that they might have had to have been spoken to. Yeah, well, not his entire demographic. I mean, I've been a fan of Kevin Smith ever since... D- Believe it or not, mall rats. Um, I didn't see Clerks when it first came out. What a pick! <laughs> but uh, I was geeky. I was, yeah. I was a geek, super geeky, and that's that's where the appeal was. Um, that's fair. And so I don't fall into that demographic particularly. But yes, at least some of his fan base has always been, you know, the stereotypical. I think it's fairly <laughs> safe to say anti-feminist uh, bros. <laughs> it's, yeah, like it's hard. Stuff. Yeah, it's hard to kind of put it, it under a specific title. It's these these the, these people that think being mean is funny. Um, yeah. Whereas when Kevin Smith has people do that in his movies, there's usually someone along for the ride undercutting it yes. and pointing out how ignorant it makes them look. So, right. Yeah. Which is very much the case here with, with their interaction. Um, but it just, it was so funny to me in a way. And I know it, because I know it wasn't played for laughs, but I was just like, how does Banky not get this? And, and maybe that's just because this is a, you know, this movie is 20 years old, over 20 years old. And, and, uh, I'm just not exposed to the, to people that talk the way Banky does in this movie because they wrote Banky to be as generic of a homophobe as you could possibly write. Well, I, but see, they, it, it's, it's, it, this movie gets complicated in, in some ways. Um, because I think yeah. what it, it, it does a nice job of doing is not ever, 
painting anybody as being too black and white, uh, except for Holden, but we'll get into that, I guess. Uh, there's there's shades kind of to everyone where even there's this character the character of hooper x who is friends with holden and banky um who i I really appreciate this movie calling banky out like as a homophobe hooper x straight up calls him a homophobe but he also still likes him and still like spends time like banky's not a homophobe to the point of like i'm not going to be around gay people it's like there's a lot of misunderstanding, I think, and, and maybe some repressed feelings, which again, we'll get into that. Um, but Hooper X does like Banky and likes spending time with Holden and Banky and, you know, would like uh, these guys to, I guess, be a little bit more woke in an age when we didn't have that term. Uh, for for context for the listeners, Hooper X is another uh, comic book writer who is this uh, this he, he's he's a he plays a character in order to sell books because he is a a black gay man. Um, but so he you know he makes a comment in the film about how he's just doubling up on minorities, and in his act he puts on like the hard hard outer shell of like a black panther anti-white every white man in the room is here uh, i can't say the name of the i can't say the name of the book but it is uh no (laughs) it is a uh a a racial slur for black people hating or uh hating what is it uh no it's a white hating hating slur. slur yes that's it yeah 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 uh and and it one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when both uh, Holden and Banky know the act and they're the only ones not surprised by him firing off a gun with blanks in it saying he's going to kill every white person in the Comic-Con uh, because that's part of his shtick. And oh, the, I just want to comment real quick on the Comic-Con, which like that was New York Comic-Con back in, uh, when did this movie come out? 94? 90, 90, 97. <laughs> it's just funny how... I guess it's, oh God, it's like 20 years later, but like how different it is now. Like that, that was what New York, like that's what small cons are like. They are. Yeah. Uh, it's like a hotel ballroom yes. or maybe like a few hotel conference rooms. Yeah. They're like, it's not these big extravagant booths. Um, it is like people just kind of hawking their wares and uh, it's just it's run by volunteer committee. You're not going to see like the high level cosplay. You'll kind of see the cosplay. I'm pretty sure they just filmed at New York Comic Con at that time. No, no, so- they built it. They oh, they, they, they threw the con. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Because I'm just looking at that and I'm like, yep, that is a dozen local cons that I've been to. And mm-hmm. just how how different now New York Comic Con is. Just not that long later. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so. But with with Hooper going back to Hooper, Hooper seems to be a character that all at least myself and Nicole liked. I don't know if you also liked him, David. Oh yeah. Oh, Hooper's great. So Hooper's might be the most enjoyable character in this film, albeit with some with some qualms. Uh, Certainly we'll one later. of the best actors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this is a film, I think, to David's point in our docket where there's a, a lot of the side characters are more likable than the main characters. And I, I agree with you on, on this in several points, David. Yeah. It's just these two who are in this couple are kind of insufferable. 
in a numerous ways and their relationship is kind of toxic from one let's dig into their relationship a bit <laughs> because eventually eventually okay. they do start dating you know eventually you know she's she is uh from kind of from the start of him meeting her she's like i'm a lesbian i'm gay and then halfway through the movie he has this big confession of i love you and i can't keep doing like they were just friends like yeah, you have to know how i feel about you uh while she's riding in his car in a rainstorm there's a lot about that that's very problematic uh <clears throat> and then even after she kind of walks away she comes back and is like well starts just making out with him in the rain because it's you know that's romantic uh and they start dating um and just throughout their like, i think i put it how i put it in the docket is holden is very fragile and Alyssa is a liar mm. and i uh i know but no, no but mm. she is because he like asks have you ever been with a man and she says no she so, like oh go ahead like she lies to him about it so I want to. I think. I think something interesting though is is in the last minute you've brought up like six discussion topics that are in the docket. So we're gonna we're gonna rewind yeah. here. Parse this um, out. We can parse this out. We're gonna parse this out from beginning to end here. Let's start with the fact that when they first meet, when they're just friends, um, he's figured out she's gay, and they're not. At least she's not pursuing him. Um, they do have this conversation on a swing set where she explains to him that she's never been with a guy and he has the whole ignorant like well then you're a virgin because that's not how sex works and then she's like well what do you think sex is and she has to give him the talk basically and um about that real quick this is something nicole and i kind of (laughs) talked around earlier uh when her and i were talking but you this is like because you kind of i I think you said at one point brett in our slack like you can tell that she's written by a man there's a lesbian written by a man because there's an act that she describes. Hi, Brett's mom. Uh, where she talks, <laughs> it's where, just a gesture that she makes, really. Yeah, but I'm going to say the name of the act. Uh, she's talking about <laughs> fisting, um, which the way that she talks about it is like, this is a thing that just lesbians do. And like, no, not 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 everyone is into that. That's not a blanket thing. Well, yeah, although she does walk it back a little later by saying that it's a it's a special, special occasion, occasion kind of yeah. activity. Congratulations, it's Arbor Day. Let me <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> sweet lord. Um so but, but now now moving forward when she tells him we've lost Nicole completely. <laughs> she she tells him at the swing set that that she you know has never been with a man and uh and and he believes that and they go on with you know their courtship question mark um does she owe him the truth is my question because she's recently met him her experiences with men by her own by her own description of them seem pretty traumatizing i don't know if she really wants or or needs to talk about that when they and start a fair bit in her past as well right yes yes but when they start dating like mm. you gotta like there there comes a time for i know like it's you know we don't know how long they're dating it it seems like it could have been you know two weeks uh or it could have been like a couple of months it's a little ambiguous on the timeline 
but I don't want to jump right to their their breakup discussion. So I'll save some <laughs> yeah. some more comments until a little bit later if we want to if yeah. we want to keep talking about more of their courtship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's entirely dependent on where how early in the relationship it is you know taking into account the fact that holden is so fragile maybe she feels like that's what he needs to hear right then but 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 should she do no no (laughs) she wanted she says i that made you feel special and i wanted you to feel special and it's like then you were going to break up over this eventually. Like you were just going to keep reporting that like, you're the most amazing only guy for me, which is like a solid lie. Well, she does. <laughs> she does later apologize yeah, for that and at but... least open up with like, yes, you know, I, th- I think there's, there's two sides of this, which is, does she owe him this truth at the beginning? Perhaps not. And that's up to her discretion, but maybe once they've started dating and she doesn't, tell him some of the stuff or you know it's i take that back it's not even whether or not she decides to tell him it's that she's lying about it to him and at that point in their relationship i don't know why to lie if if not just to protect his fragile ego now i'm not saying like she has to tell him like everything that she's done i don't you know right you don't have to do that she doesn't know him any details no absolutely not but it's like I wanted you to feel, spe- I don't know. It was that that was going to break him because he because he's so fragile. Eventually, once he finds out he's not special and that he's not the one that turned the lesbian, which is a whole other basket of worms. Uh, <laughs> too many worms for a can. We had to put it in a basket. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, I, I, no, I do hear you uh, on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it does seem you know that's a that's a flaw in the writing you know in that that it seems out of character for Alyssa the way that she's been written thus far she seems to be very straightforward with people and just not be scared to talk about who she is and what she's done you know she she has this whole interchange with Banky who I would think she would be friends with before she would be friends with Holden because they bond over beers and sexual injury stories <laughs> they have one of the best interactions in the whole movie i love them talking i think I, I agree with you i think they would have been friends it's just that holden gets involved with her romantically that i guess right. throws that off right now now let's talk about the scene david mentioned as well where you know he thrusts this upon her um, <laughs> in a car in the rain and she gets out of the car angry and oh, his in, love in, confession. His yeah. love confession. And in one of the... the yeah, in this most, movie, you got to be specific when you say he thrusts it upon her. Like, what yeah. are we talking about? Yeah. Uh, There's so, a whole bunch of stuff he breaks out. <laughs> so, in a, in a scene that's really spectacularly acted, uh, she breaks down in the rain and tells him, you know, this is for you to have to turn me, essentially is not a big deal. You're not upending your life. Whereas for me to be with a man now after being a lesbian for so many years, this is upending my entire life and my structure and my identity, who I believe myself to be. And then he makes this incredibly ignorant, stupid comment about how like every new relationship has an adjustment period. Yes. And then she <laughs> looks at him with, with, with the 
level of anger that I too felt where she's like, that's not yes. an adjustment period. I am gay. This is who I am. And he steps away and walks back to the car and then she just chases him and makes out in the rain. And it was so frustrating yeah. and problematic to me because it seemed like it took complete agency away from this moving speech she just gave about how this is who I am as a person and you accept that as a friend or not at all and just puts it right back into like, oh, but he got the girl. And it just, yeah. it, that's the part to me that was like, oh, this was written by a dude. There's Yeah, although yeah. he had a, he did have a lesbian friend like read it over for him and say, look, you know, I don't, I don't want her dialogue and everything to read like it was written by a man writing for a lesbian you know mm-hmm. but one le- the lesbians are not a monolith i was gonna say one yeah. lesbian reading it over is not well, gonna she, be the ultimate and she might not be a writer either she might not she was she was a writer was and oh. director and she also is in this well, movie she's the lead singer of the band that coaxes Alyssa you know, on stage I usually do a lot more research into these movies before we talk about them. But like Holden and lesbian sex, I'm just diving in. Yeah, I don't think she was the director. I think she was the lead actress in Go Fish. Oh, okay. Um, my bad. All right. Genevieve Turner, I think, is her name. Yeah, um, it is Genevieve Turner. But in, in any case, yeah. So he's... It. This is the part where it becomes a fantasy to some degree. But this yes. is something... What, but let me let me let me finish. Yeah. Let me finish. I know, I know, I know. Yeah, <laughs> this I'm has to do with you. this has to do with the the time. You know, the mm-hmm. late the late nineties. We did not the, the terms non-binary and gender fluid were not in common use even in the LGBT community. And what Alyssa is is not a lesbian. She's like you know the. I don't know if you've heard of the Kinsey scale, but it's from one to six, one being exclusively heterosexual feelings, desires, actions, six being exclusively homosexual desires and actions. And she's like a Kinsey four or five. You know, she's primarily attracted to women, primarily has had experiences with women, but has had, you know, maybe some feelings and a few experiences with men. But, you know, she is... She is, her sexuality is fluid, you know, where it's, she's, she's nowadays, we would probably call her pansexual, where she's attracted to the person and not the gender necessarily. And, but back in the 90s, there were still a lot of binaries. There were gender binaries, there were sexuality binaries, you were gay or you were straight, Maybe you were bi. There was no pansexual. Uh, people were just starting to use terms like gender queer to describe people whose genders were ambiguous, you know, didn't feel like they fit into a binary. Um, so, I mean, it was a limitation of the the language we had up until then at the time that she is, she calls herself a lesbian because she thinks she has to call herself something. And she is primarily attracted to women. Yeah, there's a little bit of, I think, just a little bit of bi erasure in this movie where it doesn't even float the idea that she's bi. It, mm-hmm. Like that, the word never comes up, which kind of bugs me. You know, it, it, I don't know why they couldn't. But, but, but the, the part I was saying, like, what is a little bit of a fantasy, 
is Holden's view of her. I was going a little bit of a different yeah. direction. He is oh, in, okay. He is into her because she is the unobtainable and he's going to turn her and like he With is this magic penis. Yeah, he is so special. <laughs> he is so special that this lesbian is going to date a man. And it's not she's not going to become straight. She's going to become straight for him. She's going to date him. She's going to make an exception for him because yes. he's so awesome. Yes. Right. Which unfortunately she more or less says, um, which we'll get yes, into. Which is, which is the problem. <laughs> right. Yes. Oh. Yeah. No, there is a scene. We can get to that right now. There's a scene where he asks her, you know, why me? You know, why am I the guy oh. that you've decided to hit your wagon to after being with women for so long? And, and she tells him that, you know, that she always felt that, she wanted to expand the pool of potential people that she could make a connection with for life and that understood her on an intimate level. And then, and to do that, you know, one of the, one of the ways she went about doing that was, was dating women. And then she realized when she met him, that she was actually doing the opposite of what she wanted to do and she was restricting herself. So now she wanted to go back, not back to, but like to a man um, because she had such a connection with him. And this all is so weird to me. And I think it's because the way it's written, because like in the, to Nicole's point, if this was a modern character that said, I am pansexual, I am attracted to the person, that kind of solves all my issues with that quote. Because but, it's, it's not, because you don't need to have it. Like you don't need to have this weird... This this but weird the, way that she has to try to justify it, which is weird but, to me. And, and I agree with yeah. you. I, I think that the drama of this could still exist because there are people who maybe don't identify themselves as pansexual. I think there still is the conflict. There's some of the conflict of this movie that still would happen today, even with the broadening of, of terms and understanding more the, the spectrum of sexuality. Um, either way, their relationship is hot garbage and toxic <laughs> from minute one. <laughs> Well, that's because yes, it Holden is. is hot garbage. So. But now from yeah. minute one, he starts his this relationship, and I'm assuming this is the scene that you are referencing, Nicole. You put in our docket, is honesty the best policy when unburdening yourself puts a burden onto someone else? Honesty is his... Uh, is what his scapegoat is for for burdening yeah. her with this love confession. He's like, I need to be honest with you. And in doing so... Right. I he, can't hold it in anymore. Right. And he knows well aware that not only is this going to be terrible for her potentially, but end their friendship. He says multiple and, times in this in this conversation, this might end our friendship, but I had to say it. Is honesty no, the best don't. policy in that case? I don't <laughs> think so. I think it's honesty for it's honesty to be selfish. It's it's but selfish. I think it's entirely in how he did it. I think that if he did have those feelings and he was struggling with it and he was like, I'm not sure we can still be friends because I have these feelings for you. I think there's a way to do that that's appropriate. It is not certainly trapping not her in when, a car in the rain. When someone is trapped in your car in the rain, <laughs> it is when they are in a comfortable location. You invited them there with the specific idea of we're going to have a conversation. Look, here's this thing I'm struggling with. Just to like let you n know if, if it's really to a point for him where it's like our friendship can't continue on if I'm feeling this way. Not in the way that he does it, which is like, I'm in love with you. Huh? 
<laughs> now the ball's in yeah. your court and you either destroy this friendship or yes. you change your whole life for me. He he doesn't make that choice, which it's up to him to make that choice because it's right. his thing that he's dealing with. You're right. I yeah. didn't even think about that, guys. That She is put into the position now where it's her fault, however this ends up. Yes. Now, mm-hmm. now Holden is is really good with with this sort of timing in the movie, um, because uh. when deciding to antagonize her about so some background, um, Banky does not like her, and he finds Banky out. Doesn't from, no Banky does like her. He doesn't like Holden's obsession with her. Okay, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Right. Um, and in order to figure out what's really going on, because he thinks that she might be lying to him, he goes to, to mutual friends and finds out that, yes, she had indeed been with men in the past. In fact, she'd been with two men at once. And he tells Holden this, and Holden flips out at him, says, you are lying to me. I'm the only man she's ever been with. And then he talks with Hooper. And Hooper gives him very sound advice. He says, don't beat around the bush on this. Calmly have an honest conversation with her. So what does he do? He takes her to a sporting event, a hockey game, and antagonizes her in the stands at a hockey game by asking her roundabout questions to eventually get her to admit to him this moment in her life in just the the worst way possible. This well, is not she, what Hooper meant. <laughs> no, and she, no. she gives him opportunities like the, she, I don't think you know she handles it super great either. Be, but I think that she is totally within her rights in the way that she did handle it because he was being such an ass. Uh, where he is like obviously beating around the bush, and she knows why. So she's kind of like, okay, let's beat around the bush. But then like gets frustrated and like, fine, if you're not gonna like say it, then I'm gonna yell it in front of this crowd of people. Yeah, because yeah. He, he comes for listeners that don't watch the film. You know, he comes to her and says, hey, I'm just going to fill in names here. I don't remember their names. Do you know you ever hang out with Joey? Too. Yeah. Do you ever hang out with Joey? And she's like, oh, yeah, I knew Joey. He's like, you ever hang out with Timmy? And she's like, yeah, I knew Timmy. You ever <laughs> hang out with Joey and Timmy? And he's just like, he, he won't he won't just get to it. Um, and this should have been a conversation that any person with any sense of empathy for their significant other would have had in a private and comfortable setting not at a hockey game but it just shows he just doesn't have any gauge of of in this movie of either empathy or uh just social context of what he should and shouldn't do and holden should have asked himself why does this bother me therapy people should be a thing <laughs> yeah. because this starts this starts when his past when her past uh, doings with women don't bother him at all right yes. which she brings up to him but he he is so insecure and admits it at the end of the film that he can't deal with the fact that he is with someone who has been more adventurous in their lifestyle than he has um, it's not that it's not just that. That's yeah. some, that's some hot buttered bullshit. Sorry, Brett. No, <laughs> no. Mark down the time on that. No, you're right. It's also the fact that that he loved the idea of being the singular man that turned her, and it turns out he's not. He he was he was Neil Armstrong, and she was the moon. Marco Polo, I think, is the way Hooper puts it. 
You know, men yes. like to believe that they're the first person into new territory. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So this this starts this entire, you know, catalyst in their relationship for uh, his relationship to also get weirder with Banky. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, much much weirder. <laughs> yeah. So weird. let's let's talk about that. They they fight and and they 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 have their breakup, and in their breakup. And this is outside the hockey game because this has now moved to the parking lot, the best place to fight. Uh, <laughs> where really better than a crowd full of people at a hockey game? It's better than in the stands. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Uh, where you know, she she admits, and I, and I feel for her in this movie because she admits, yes, I should not have lied to you about what my past was like after we were together. And this is something I should have told you, and I shouldn't have let you think yes, that you were the only man I've ever been with. And then he's like. No, no, I'm still angry for for what uh, I find him so infuriating. I just find him to be the last half of this movie. Any potential goodwill I might have felt toward the protagonist of this film is just completely shot because Again. of the way he acts. He's a child therapy. Yeah, <laughs> can't afford it when you're uh, spending all the money that you make on your Starving independent artist. comic. They're not starving. They're living quite well. Yeah. <laughs> On one comic, they're being indie published in the night. Guys, I could pull up numbers. <laughs> None of this makes sense. They have yeah. a car. That's amazing. So, so. <laughs> it's not even a crappy car. It's no, a it's good a car. decent car for the 90s. Right. No, it's at this point when they separate that uh, that he goes and uh, hangs out at a diner and has an interaction with Jay and Silent Bob. This is when they finally enter the movie as the Kevin Smith mainstays. And I was surprised, and I'd like you guys to speak on this more than me because you've seen stuff with Jay and Silent Bob, but I was really surprised because at first I was thinking, oh, I kind of like that the directorial cameo is wordless because he's probably a bad actor. And then he gives this really, you know, um, vulnerable monologue about a similar experience he had with a woman. And it's one of the, I think, best acted scenes in the movie. It really took me off guard. It's a great scene. Uh, Silent Bob typically doesn't say much, but he'll kind of, in, in some of the movies, not all of them, he'll have the point where he suddenly has like the great bit of advice or like he knows the weird legal precedent for this thing. <laughs> uh, so he like, they always, they kind of save up him talking and in this movie. It's, I guess, kind of the, uh, the, I don't know how to put it. Um, so you get, get the head out of your ass moment. I think in part for Affleck's character, you know, he says like, uh, you know, you need, he gives him context as to how this is like, not the end yeah, of the world. He, <laughs> yeah, he re he relates an experience that he had um, that is not unlike what Holden is going through. Uh, right. He and, had a girlfriend who was more experienced than him, and he felt insecure about it and drove her away. Named yeah. Amy, chasing yeah. Amy, because he says he says you're chasing Amy, and I love like you know Jay calls it out uh, where it's like you know he doesn't say anything, and then it'll have some impact when he does open <laughs> his mouth. Yeah. Uh and uh Jay and Silent Bob is such an interesting fun relationship. Um neither here nor there. What we're here to talk about. Uh it is a really great speech he gives though. 
It is. He he delivers yeah. it with a lot of emotion, with a lot of uh, weight, and it's it makes me it makes me wish that Kevin Smith acted in more stuff. He doesn't really act anything that's not his own things as Silent Bob. Well, yeah. he's in uh, one of the Die Hards four. I want to say <laughs> Die Hard is movie. He? Yeah, he's like in the coroner's office, or he's a computer hacker, or something. Oh, okay. So he does. I mean, yeah, he's acted, but a lot of it is like cameos as himself. Yes, and and in Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker as a commander, right? Um, and also Force Awakens as a stormtrooper. Guys, Kevin Smith uh, gets <laughs> on it. He's kind uh, of the per- like like the perennial geek, isn't he? In a way, like he is. He's, I don't know what it is about him, but like he, I mean, I know he's made a lot of movies, but they, they are movies that are largely popular within very specific circles. And somehow that has allowed him to be the guy that they put in two different Star Wars cameos, you know? Well, I will, I will say because he also has a, a career outside of, um, outside of movies and acting, um, doing like, you know, basically the circuit of uh, of like screening his shows and or movies and talking about them and stuff. Um, I was going to say it. It doesn't didn't surprise me that he delivered this so well because he is a really good storyteller. Uh, oh goodness! His, yeah, yeah. He has this podcast. He does as well. There's a great story that's kind of infamous about how he almost wrote a spider or a Superman movie. Um, People right. who have heard and the it got story turned will... into Wild Wild West. Yes, it's <laughs> such a great story. Uh, yeah. Go look it up. But that—that's kind of why I'm not surprised that he delivered this story. I'm rambling a lot about Kevin Smith. He's good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then just following... as, a, as a side note, he's got a. There was like a. I guess you could almost call it a concert film. It's like a talk that he gave at a college campus called An Evening with Kevin Smith, where he tells these mm. fantastic stories, including this absolutely incredible one about making a video with Prince uh, and his experiences at Paisley Park, um, which is hilarious. And I highly recommend looking it up. But yeah, I mean, he's a he's a good speaker. He he talks for for a lot of his living with his podcasting thing. And he does live shows at mm-hmm. um, this club in LA that he calls the scum and villainy cantina. And um, people come to see him, you know, live record a podcast and talk and just, you know, gab with and hang with his friends. And he's very entertaining. So, you know, and I wish that he would be less, I don't know. I haven't seen the latest movie in recent years he's gotten overly indulgent with himself yeah <laughs> he needs an yoga editor. hosers uh yeah um oh. yeah that's uh ooh. i mean the I, I haven't seen jay and silent bob reboot but i'm looking at the um the wikipedia right now and it looks like it's kind of got some mixed reviews so i don't know yeah, yeah. and he actually um was here in Chicago a couple months ago screening the original film of that to promote the fact that they're doing the reboot. And and I didn't get an opportunity to see him because I wanted to go and it sold out so quickly because he's such a hot commodity for indie movie theaters when he comes around and does a talk. Um, but I, I would also mention as long as we're talking about him as a person and director, 
Do I like that he works with Johnny Depp? No. But with that said, <laughs> on the flip side of that, did he do better than most other people when it came to pointing out like, yeah, you did a lot of work with Harvey Weinstein. I think he did. Um, you know, this was something that it really didn't seem like he was in that circle that understood what was happening in, the, in, in that space. And um, he, I believe, pulled all future residuals from any film that was financed by the Weinstein Company and pumped that back into various philanthropic organizations. And he did a bunch of stuff after those allegations came out. So he did right, I think, by the fact that he had profited from working with someone like Harvey Weinstein. Um, so good on him for that. Uh, guys, I, guys, we have to watch Jay and Silent Bob reboot because uh, apparently Smith wrote in a scene with Ben Affleck's character Holden McNeil and wrote in a mini sequel to his 1997 film Chasing Amy. What? So there oh. is something within that movie that has to do with Chasing Amy. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to watch it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about toward the end of this film. There's this notion thrown around, and it's actually initially alluded to um, by Hooper, where where that that Banky is is repressing, you know, um, feelings of homosexuality, um, and that's one of the reasons he's so aggressively a homophobe, and. Um, this is pointed out he to hold passive aggressively home. Yeah, 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 I would say. I mean, he, yeah, but he is also like very vocal. Like, I don't know. Um, but 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 then this he's is very pointed verbal out to Holden. About it, but yeah. yeah, yeah. But then Holden decides that the best way to mend their relationship is to oh, good Lord. propose that they all make love together because it'll help Banky with his repressed feelings, and it'll help his relationship with Alyssa because he will no longer feel inadequate because he will have been adventurous and this is his logic and banky is like sure i guess and she she's like no she's not down the clown with that because she has foresight as to the myriad of problems that would occur from that uh and yeah. there's this whole through line of you know is banky actually gay um is there that idea that homophobes are all secretly gay and how they kind of play with that in this movie and how that in, is also kind of a trope? I, I was, I was a little bit worried that that's the route they were going. I, I ultimately don't think that it was, but I feel like that's such a common trope in movies. I kind of was like, Oh no, are we doing that here too? Where it's like, well, if this person is verbal ab about homophobia, it's because they're secretly gay. And it's like, no, it's sometimes just because they're garbage people. <laughs> it's just they're yeah, not a good person. I would say so. But I would I would say that this particular trope is very popular for a reason. Um because <laughs> it is true a good bit of the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, one of my you know, a podcaster we all know, Scott Johnson, has is, is frequently makes the remark of like the people that are always the loudest about oh, the, something the doth protest too much thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you tend to be hiding something. But no, but bank but the thing with Banky though is that I got the vibe that uh, Banky maybe at the very most was conflicted about growing up with Holden and having such a close connection to Holden for so many years that he didn't know what to make of that emotionally. I didn't really quite get the vibe that 
that he was gay. I didn't either. I obviously they have a very, and this is, uh, this is kind of actually something I was discussing with someone um, today separately that, you know, I feel like there's a lot of like, well, men should be more open in being uh, vulnerable in their relationships with other men and talking about it. But then I feel like anytime that men are vulnerable in relationships in, you know, movies or they show that it's like immediately in this stemmed from a conversation about like Sebastian Stan made some comment today about Bucky and, and Steve. And there's the whole thing about Finn and Poe. And it's like the time that any two men are shown as close in any way. It's like, ah, uh, they're gay. They're gay together. That's why it's like, well, like, can't they just be close, vulnerable friends? Uh, and that's uh, obviously, obviously, we need more gay representation in popular media. I'm not saying Foe and P- Poe and Finn shouldn't be gay. Uh, I like Foe, though. That would have been a great celebrity Foe, combo yeah, name. Definitely better than <laughs> oh, the other one have been. Not, not, not important. Finn. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> definitely better Finn. than the other one. Uh, but it's just, I think, you know, men can and yes it, it can be unusual for some i do agree with you i do think that banky maybe would have been a little bit uh, unsure of like how to be vulnerable and so you kind of reject that by making these jokes that are really not cool to make because you don't know how to deal with just being like hey man i love you what do you right. think Nicole? no i mean i think certainly part of it is this immature um mm-hmm. approach to his bond with holden because i mean you remember back in grade school where you've got a best friend and all of a sudden your best friend starts hanging out with like this new kid who moved in you know two months ago and they're spending more time together and you're like i'm losing my best friend in yeah. the whole world and, you know and you get very <laughs> upset about it and you really don't like the other person because they're taking your friend away from you yes um and I really think that it's it's that basic with uh, I think so. I Banky's feelings about Holden. Yes, I and I think he's kind of a little bit upfront about that too. Um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, he is. And I I like what he says to him, where he's like, "You're gonna like when he's like when Holden's like, we're gonna go through this together," and he's like, "Nah, man, you have to go through this by yourself." Yeah, definitely. yeah, and it's not it's not spiteful. He's no. sad about it. He's like, because he knows that this isn't. He's he, he's very sure that this is not going to go well after he finds Holden and Alyssa sleeping together. You know, he's, after they wreck, he knows it's not going to go well, and he's he knows that whatever happens, it's going to end up hurting his friend, and that there is nothing he can do to stop it because the more he protests about it, the more that Holden will just you know hang on to his relationship with Alyssa, if only to spite him. Yeah. Right. Now, there's there's a quote from Kevin Smith on this particular topic, and I must say that if you can find the stashed, um, uh, I'm sorry, cached online pages for Kevin Smith's old website, which are somehow still live, at least like half of them, it's a treat. <laughs> it was made in like the late 90s. Everything's really poorly coded. Uh, you can find his email on it, which I shall not now disclose. Um, you can find it, though. In any case, there is a, a page where he answers questions about this movie that were sent in by email. Um, and there's some you can really tell it's old because he talks about the laser disc on it. But uh, someone says, you know, is Banky is Banky gay? Why aren't he and Holden still friends at the end of the movie? And Kevin responds. <laughs> 
No, Banky is not gay. He would never cruise, nor would he ever actively pursued Holden of his own accord. However, he does love his friend very deeply. Life comes down the moments. In the moment that Holden makes his off-kilter suggestion, Banky was willing to go the distance. A door is opened, and in that moment, Banky agrees to a same-sex encounter of sorts. When Alyssa declines, that window is slammed shut. But Banky, Banky's already exposed something he can't live with. Holden's knowledge that he would have gone through with it for whatever reasons, whether it be to save their relationship or because he was into it. And that's why they're no longer friends at the end of the flick. Banky's self-loathing. So is Banky gay? It's not that easily defined. But then again, that's the kind uh, of thing that this movie is all about. So what what he's saying here is that Banky lives by the very age-old attitude of bros before hoes. <laughs> he would have he would have gone down no that's kind of the vibe that i got as well where he's agreeing to it for holden but he would never agree to it for anyone else right right yeah and, and i do like his his quote here when he says you know that that not being easily defined is what this movie is all about because i think hopefully even kevin smith was then somewhat aware that the character of Alyssa is not easily defined. And yes, we've identified her as lesbian in this movie, as, as Nicole talked about earlier. Um, but she, she's still not terribly well-defined in this. And at the end of the movie, she seems to have a girlfriend again. So, mm-hmm. you know, that just kind of goes again to the fact that, you know, he didn't turn her. Uh, she's a, tr- she seems to be attracted to people and, and, and maybe both. And like, we don't have a ton of definition on that. And it seems like Kevin Smith is at least aware of that. Yeah. Um, and, in yeah, his filmmaking. No, there's a, there's a line in the, their breakup in the parking lot where she says, you know, maybe you knew early on that your track was from point A to B, but unlike you, I was not given a map at birth. So I tried it all. Mm-hmm. So she's, has been exploring you know and had better experiences with women than with men and so decided that that's where she should do her looking (laughs) yeah definitely so uh really quick before i move away from it i also want to mention that i thought another kevin smith quote he doesn't uh, attribute the quote so i'm not sure who said it but he did say in this FAQ as well. Uh, In love, you have to put the individual ahead of their actions always. It's comprehension of the past, not condemnation, that neutralizes insecurity. And I thought that perfectly summed up his movie because Mm -hmm. Holden can't comprehend it. He can only condemn it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and even having that, Alyssa nailed him dead on of like, there is one way this er- interaction you're uh, suggesting is going to go correct. And there's a million ways it's going to go wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. There, th- even if they had had that encounter, the chances of it, there would have been something else that would have gotten under Holden's skin that would have led him to end it anyway, uh, would have absolutely happened. I think there, th- there was no saving that relationship purely from the fact that Holden couldn't just say you've lived a different life than me, but we're together. And she calls him out on that. She does. Mm-hmm. She's correct. That's like all that's in the past. What matters is where we are now. And he can't be there. 
Definitely. Uh, let's also talk about a couple of our other discussion topics we didn't get to as we wrap up here. Um, is a sudden proprietary attitude Holden develops realistic? We've talked a little bit about how he, he gets a little more woke. Uh, it's realistic if you're trying the Turner, which he kind of is, I guess. No, no, no. I mean, the proprietary attitude of, you know, I can't stand that other men have been with oh, you. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I thought you meant like him getting more woke. Oh, um, no, I believe no, that. No. I believe that because people do do that where it's totally like, well, now that. I have yeah. woke friends and here's how I talk. <laughs> no, no, I, I totally believe that. Uh, That's what, a different kind think, of Nicole? attitude. Yes. <laughs> Uh, his sudden proprietary attitude toward is it realistic Um, I think it was something buried inside of him yeah maybe maybe because I mean I just I don't know if this goes along gender lines but I can tell you there I, I have never met a woman who was just like I can't deal with the fact that my man had you know been with other women in the past <laughs> it's just not it's not something that probably because you know in this you know, we're in the in the culture that we're that we're in you know it's seen as absolutely normal for men to have a lot of relationships in their lives and ideal for women to only have one or two um right and, and we so talked about this with scott pilgrim got too. upset yeah yeah, because Scott Pilgrim has right. like the same reaction to what's her face in that movie. So, well, to be Ramona. fair, Ramona's exes are attempting to kill him, and they have you formed did. a league. Different, <laughs> different circumstances, same insecurity of not being able to deal with the fact that your partner has done different or more things than you. Right. I, well. <laughs> I don't know. My love of Scott Pilgrim is making me not want to go down that road. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, let's also talk a little bit about, you know, we've talked about the quality of the performances. They are really good. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about Jason Lee? Except yet? for Ben Affleck. I'm sorry, he's not good in this it's movie. It's very flat. It is. Yeah, it is. This, I mean, this was around the time that we were kind of making, you know, Matt Damon was kind of breaking out and being like, Matt Damon can act. Matt Damon can do all this these was, great things. Yeah. And this was just post Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, and we're like, and Ben Affleck is also there. Uh, Ben Affleck can write yeah it would be some time until Ben Affleck you know would kind of come into his own um, and show his chops hot take though were his chops ever significant at all I'm sorry I'm one of those people I just don't get him he's flat and everything he's he's in he's become at least a decent actor and 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 a decent director as well yeah I just for something he about was, his movies for me. Uh, look, it's complicated. We don't have to get into it. He was a good uh, Batman for all the troubles those movies had. And also, he's good in Gone Girl. I liked Gone Girl. Yeah, um, I just remember in like 2011 or 12, it was like the the Ben Affleck year. Look how great Ben Affleck is. And I was like, wow, Argo's boring. Oh, <laughs> I like Argo. Eh, no. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, yeah. So I mentioned Jason Lee in our show doc because um, I was kind of about halfway through the movie when I calmed down. And I was just his performance was really good. His character is obnoxious and at mm-hmm. times uh, problematic, but Jason Lee is good at being as inhabiting that character. And 
it's been a while since I've seen him in anything. I haven't watched My Name is Earl in a time. And I was just like, man, I like Jason Lee as an actor, not as this guy. Yeah. <laughs> right. Although this is the second movie in a row with very distracting eyebrows. Oh, his, like his, to, <laughs> the his hair. Unibrow. Yeah. <laughs> his hair and facial. I mean, My Name is Earl is sold entirely on that mustache. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, and we, yeah, we had mentioned, we didn't mention the actor's name. Um, I'm going to pull that up real quick just so I make sure that we get that. Oh, no. I've gone to the wrong screen now. Uh, Dwight, uh, Dwight Ewell. Yes. His Hooper. Dwight Ewell is Hooper X. He was great in yes. the movie. Someone else I wish was in more stuff. Yeah, I checked his IMDb and Not it's a lot. sparse. I'm like, it's no, wait, why? He's so think, good in this movie. Well, I don't think he's been in anything in a while either. I think he might be done. Yeah, ah. his last performance was 2011. Maybe he's doing stage acting, question mark? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> we hope. Dwight, you will write us, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, let's also talk about the Mike Allred art. David, give us uh, a rundown. Well, is this, is this okay. the intro sequence? Yes. Uh, I just, I got so excited. The movie opens with a bunch of Mike Allred art. Uh, Michael Allred is a great comic artist. He appears briefly in the, uh, in the movie as well at the very beginning. Um, he has like one, or I believe that's, that's him, but he says something about, yeah, Mad he's Man. the, yeah, yeah, he's the creator of the Madman okay. comic. Oh, but he is so, his art is so good. Uh, I, I got excited thinking there was going to be a bunch of it throughout this movie and there sadly wasn't. Um, but if people have seen the movie or look up Mike Allred uh, and are interested in his art, he, his run on Silver Surfer was really great. Madman is a character of his um, that he wrote for a long time was very good. Uh, his his art is uh, I Zombie. I Zombie was something that uh, oh, he did cool. the art for. Uh, um, he's a wonderful artist, and it, I I love seeing his stuff. I'm I'm glad this movie. The fact that they're comic book writers gives at least a vehicle for some interesting art to show up in the beginning there of his. Because otherwise, like one one comment I, I did want to bring up is it's it seems like the only reason they're comic book writers is because Kevin Smith likes comics. Because this the could other- happen between like two baristas, two book writers, like two novelists, yeah. two, guys who two work poets. At a convenience store. Yeah, two yes. guys who work at a convenience store. Um, and guess it, what? They're from New Jersey because they're always from New Jersey. Right. right. It's the Stephen King school of writing. <laughs> He's a teacher from Maine. <laughs> yeah. Right. But but it is kind of ancillary to the plot. <laughs> like they they could right. be anything in order for this movie to happen the mm-hmm. way it does. All right. Sure. Very, yeah. So so as we wrap up, uh, I I was excited to see this to expand my Kevin Smith horizons for sure. It it definitely intrigues me to see more of the Jay and Silent Bob stuff in particular because I'm just enamored by this little universe he's created that people love so much. Um, it's fun. Yeah, it, it it seems fun. And I enjoyed this because and I think it brought us a great discussion as well, a difficult discussion, but a very good one. Do you guys have any closing thoughts? Um, oh, uh, one thing that we didn't quite cover. I, I do love Hooper, except for his uh, anti-dyke hostility. Uh, yes. <laughs> he uh, mentions in the record store. Uh, record store that I've been to, by the way. I visited Red Bank, New Jersey once and went in there. It's fantastic. Brett, you would go nuts in there. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. 
it's still there. Um, what because in he's oh shoot, I closed my notes. Uh, Holden actually calls him on it. He says something like a little uh, intersubculture cattiness, something like that. Um, and I mean that that happens, and it's sad. You know, like there's there's. There is bigotry within the LGBTQ community, for sure, in various forms. I mean, it's like I said, you know, it's not a monolith. There are a lot of very different people. There's all kinds of forms of discrimination within and without. So, but otherwise, I love Hooper. I wish that that had not been written in there. Definitely. Yeah, I- I wish that Hooper was a stay of the view skewerverse uh, in the way that Giant Silent Bob kind of are, because he appeared in a, another movie as well, and that was kind of the only one. I wish he had. We sh- yeah, we should lobby Kevin to bring him back. I agree. <laughs> My closing thought is that uh, those two affording that apartment is more egregious than Rachel and Monica and the entirety of your friends, because I'm not going <laughs> to give this up. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> The Friends one was pretty egregious, though. It was it large. Was, it was rent-controlled. <laughs> I think they might be illegally living in their office space. Ooh. Well, but I thought they had separate office. Or was that their office? Because they did show... No, that was... Oh, you're right. They're illegally living in office. I think you might be right on that. <laughs> how, are still, they, how are they affording the office that? space? <laughs> <laughs> My question still stands. <laughs> Very good. Uh, well, um, next week we're going to be doing future classics, Ex Machina. It's a pick of David's. Be sure to check it out if you'd like to follow along. Let's go around the horn, see where we can find everybody online. David, what's up with you? Uh, people can find me under the username Davluz. It's D-A-V-L-U-Z. Follow me on Twitter and you can find me there. I will take a quick second to announce that by the time this show comes out, I will be close to uh, starting a new podcast that I am very excited to get underway. Um, the details of that you can just find over on Twitter. Very, As very the good. the most recent winner of America's Next Top. Yeah, I was about to say, way to humble that down. It's going to be on the Frog Pants mega feed. Yes, it will. Yes. <laughs> uh, and Nicole, where can people find you? Letterboxd, and that's Nicole underscore Davis. And I recently joined a new social media app for horror fans called Slasher. And thank you to friend of the show, Corey Scott, for mentioning that on his podcast. Um, and on Slasher, I am my underscore evil underscore twin. Ooh, I got to check that out. All righty. Very good. You can find me on Twitter at I am Brett Stewart. You can email the show. We'd love to hear from you. Hi at MGRpodcast.com. And you can go to that website, MGRpodcast.com. We recently did some remodeling. It looks really pretty. And best of all, all the articles from the 100th episode run that happened in the weeks leading to and after our 100th episode are on that website. If you'd like to go ahead and read all those, there's some fun content available for you there as well. But we'll see you next week with Future Classics. Mm-hmm.